I love that you guys are having such a good time taking communion together and celebrating um, what Jesus has done for us. And I love that you love each other too and want to talk. So one of the things that we've done almost every year since we started Denton North Church is to take two Sundays in September or August and two Sundays in January to review who we believe God wants us to be as the Denton North Church. We communicate that through our vision and our mission and our values. And when we wrote these, we did a lot of praying and talking about what we believe God wanted those to be. We wanted to keep them pretty short so they're not all-encompassing. You're going to hear us say things from time to time that you're like, wait a minute, that's not one of our values, but it does fit in with our mission and our vision. But we wanted it to be something that could be easily memorized. And if you haven't done that, I'm going to encourage you to do that. They are listed on the Denton North Church website. If you go to About and then About Us, you'll find all of those listed out. And so I think it's really important for us to have those memorized because they help us to make decisions. They help us to make decisions for our church and the things that we're going to do at our church. They help us to make decisions for our lives and things that we're going to invest in because, like, we can't invest in everything, right? And so they help us to, to see what our priorities in the kingdom are going to be. We believe that taking time to reflect on these and evaluate how we're doing with them is important. So first evaluating personally how am I doing with these and then evaluating as a church. So I get to talk about our history this morning and then hopefully we're going to have time for Josh to talk about the mission and values but if not we'll just push that off to next week and then next week Josh is going to talk about three of our values and I'm going to talk about the other three of them. So if you're new to Denton North Church, this is going to give you a good idea of who we are. And if you're still trying to decide if this is the church for you, I think this will help you to evaluate that as well. I want to start by reading Isaiah 63, 7. It says, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Denton North Church, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. That's my goal in sharing our history with you this morning. You may or may not know that we are part of a family of churches. Um, the first church was the church that is in Garland. And so you're going to hear me talk about um, the history of that today because that is the history of how we got here as well. And so because Kurt and I have been a part of the family of churches from the beginning, I get to talk about history. It reminds me how faithful God is and that we don't need to be afraid or anxious. Rather, we just need to rely on him to do what he's always done. So our church was born from a meeting where people confessed sin and prayed together. The result of that night of confessing sin and praying was that within a few weeks, God made it very clear that he wanted a church planted, a new church planted. 
And so in November of 1997, a group of us who were trying to be obedient to God met in a warehouse in Garland with about 35 people. And I'm going to list some of these names because some of you know these people. Some of you, this will mean nothing to but it included the Worshams, the Royals, the Rose, the Johnsons, the Draytons, the Mullings, the Rex family, and the Davis family. And so that includes Brad, little, think, just think about this for a minute, young Brad and young Garrett. <laughs> it was a challenge. <laughs> In March of 1998, because it was starting to get to be the hot season and we needed air conditioning, we started looking for a new place to meet. And we got a message to call the Walnut Village Church of Christ from someone we didn't know and had no idea how they knew we were looking for a place to meet. We started meeting at the Walnut Village Church of Christ, which is now the Garland Northeast Building. And this is where we picked up John, Marianne, Mandy, and Kim McWilliams, and Danny, Linda, and Tammy Welch along with a few other people that you probably wouldn't know. Shortly after we started meeting there, we met in a fellowship room while their church met in the sanctuary. Um, and shortly after we started doing that, they decided to close the doors of their church, and then many of them stayed and became part of the Garland Northeast Church. What happened there was when they closed the doors to their church, they gave us their building. Their building was paid off except for $25,000. And we had a member who wrote a check for $25,000 right there and paid it off. That doesn't happen. I don't know if you know what a God deal that is, but that's where the saying God deal came from is that would never have happened on, on our own. We could not have orchestrated that, only God. Yeah. From the beginning, we were a church planting church, and our first church plant was in Plano. It was called the Mission Church. We met at a middle school there. And after two years, we brought that church back together with the Garland Church, and we learned a lot of lessons from that one. And so one of the big things we learned is that when you plant a church, you really are planting two churches. You're planting the one that goes out, but the one that stays has become a very different and new church as well. And so that made all the difference when we went to plant Wiley, and then Denton, and then Arlington, and then East Plano. We started Focus at UTD and Richland, and from then on, we tried to make sure that our campus ministries were supported by one of our churches. We saved money each week for years to seed a church plant, and we talked about it so people would have a vision for leading or being involved in a plant. Early on, one of the foundational things in our churches was an all-church retreat. We set it for October every year, and we worried because it was during football season, and we had a lot of like high school students and stuff, um, that we would miss a lot of people. But that just didn't happen. It never was an issue because everybody wanted to be at the retreat. And so if the kids had Friday night events, they went to their events Friday night and came after it was over and stayed the rest of the weekend. We had a... Oh, we stayed Friday to Sunday, and we had um, 
a Friday night session, a Saturday morning session, we had free time, we had a Saturday night session, and we had a Sunday morning session. So any of you that have been to the DNC retreat, you're getting off easy. We did not do that many sessions, um, but that's how we did it then. And the first year we went, it rained the entire weekend. That was our very first retreat, rained the entire weekend. We played games, we talked and laughed, we created a huge mudslide down a hill behind where we were meeting. And for those of you that were with us when we went to Lake Levon uh, last year, that meeting room is where we met, where we met last year, and that mudslide was down the back of that is where we were. We stayed in dorms. The men and boys stayed together, and the women and girls stayed together. So at the time, I had two boys, so I got to go to the women's dorm, and Kurt and the boys got to go to the men's dorm, and it was greatness. The kids ate junk, they stayed up late, they played outside with their friends, and they loved it. Many of our ministers today gave their first talk at their retreat. Many of our ministers who are on staff with one of our churches or with Focus. But then also our son gave his first talk at the retreat because one of our uh, youth workers asked him to. That was the only reason he did. And now he uses that skill to give presentations for North Texas Food Bank at both local and national events. He is a minister in the workplace. And I say that because we have a lot of people that are ministers in the workplace. It's not just ministers on our staff. And so our retreat became a centerpiece for growing leaders, for developing deep relationships, warm community, for expressive worship, for love of God's word, and for everyday outreach. In March of this year, we had our second DNC church retreat. It was a great weekend of connecting with God and each other and having fun together and worshiping together. And our worship night last year was especially encouraging as we sang together and then we took the time to pray over each other. Yeah. It was rejuvenating and it was encouraging. This is a huge part of who we are as a church. Our church retreat next year is April 6th and 7th. It will be at Lakeview Camp and Retreat Center in Waxahachie. The cost is going to be a little bit higher. It's $100 a person, but kids are going to be discounted. College students are going to be discounted. So this is just a ballpark figure, and money is never a reason to miss. If you don't have the money to go, you still come, because that's not ever going to be the reason somebody doesn't come to one of our events. This is so important to our mission of making and maturing disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus, and our vision of being a place where hearts to turn, are turned to God and lives are changed, and our values of deep relationships, warm community, and growing leaders. So please, please, please do not miss this. Put it on your calendar now. Protect those dates. Plan to be there the whole time. Start saving money now, and it won't be a big deal once it gets here. As we've planted churches, our family of churches has stayed close. We share ministers, ministries, camps, members, money, and the Northeast building. We have all things in common. 
Many of us have long-standing friendships among all the churches. And here's the really cool thing about this, is Denton North is a fairly small church. Some of our other churches are also fairly small. There is probably not anything you could need that we couldn't find somebody in the family of churches that could help you with that. And so we get the best of little in our church, and we get the best of big in our family of churches. And it's a really neat thing. And I totally lost my place. So we're a huge blessing to one another. Okay, Denton North Church. In 2010, Focus started a campus ministry here at UNT. Brad Davis led that campus ministry, and in 2011, the senior staff of the Northeast Church in Garland and the Wiley Church started talking about planting a church to support the students in the Denton Focus ministry. At the same time, and unknowing that that was about to happen, Kurt and I put our house on the market so that we would be able to help with whatever church plant came up. The elders asked us if we would be go willing to go to Denton. And as we prayed about that, Kurt said, I just, when I was in college, some buddies and I were driving through Denton, and we stopped and spent the night, and I felt like God said, you're going to live here one day. You're going to be here one day. And he said, I just can't quit thinking about that as we evaluate if God wants us to be a part of this. So sometimes God takes a long time to work. He was in college, and we had been married 25 years at that point. Um, so when God tells you something, don't forget it, because it may be coming later on. Since Brad was already living in Denton and had already had the experience of starting the focus ministry up here, they asked him to lead the DNC church plant as the senior minister. And he took that position with no pay for several years. Some of you don't know Brad. And some of you don't know um, how really amazing that is, that he did that. Uh, Brad has a PhD. Brad loves Jesus. Brad knows ministry. And he did that because I needed to take a salary. He wanted to make sure I was taken care of. But he also did it because <laughs> we had 20 people that were not students. And so I'm thinking he was pretty concerned about what our financial situation might look like. Um, but he was instrumental in getting us started here. It was decided that the Wiley Church would plant us, and we were asked to attend the Wiley Church for the next year in preparation to be sent out. Kurt was the children's minister at Garland, and I was on staff as a minister as well, but they sent us out anyway. Remember the seed money I told you that Garland saved for many years? When we planted this church, Garland gave us that seed money. And Wiley took up a special contribution and gave us that money to start the Denton North Church. And it was a total of around 25000 plus. Along with giving from our members, that supported us for many years. In July of 2022, we needed a little help, but we didn't ask anybody for it. John Von Runnen happened to be at our church when we did a presentation on our finances, 
and Wiley contacted us a few weeks after that and committed to supporting our staff with $1,000 a month for a year, and they did that. And I say all that to say that Denton North Church is truly a product of the family of churches. This is not something we could have done on our own. It wasn't a one-time thing. They continue to support us in many ways. They look out for us. They pray for us. They consult with us. They share leaders to preach here and counsel people. And they do all kinds of things to support us. Kurt was our elder at the time. And he, along with the elders at the Wiley Church, helped us with um, getting things going. Kurt commuted to Richardson for three years when 35 was under construction. And then these are the people, these are, this is not an exhaustive list, but these are some that I know some of you will know that were here to help start the Denton North Church. Brad and Chelsea, me and Kurt, Les and Judy Davis, Brad's parents, Sarah, Dawn, and Debbie, who drove from Plano and Frisco and who still drive from Frisco nine years later, Ryan Plache, who moved here, Grant Trotter, who moved here, Melissa Kenfield, Matt Clark, Tom Kuasong, Glenn Lanier, Paul Peepenbrock, Becca Carell, who lived across the street from Kurt and I with a group of women that were from Focus, Joseph Kaminsky, Albert Rodriguez, Sarah King, and Miriam Craney, who lived next door to us with a house full of Focus girls. Um, and we met on campus once a month in 2013, and then we moved to Denton, and in 2014, August of 2014, started meeting weekly at the Martin Luther King Rec Center. This is when we also started the focus ministry at TWU, and I believe NCTC, although it could have been the next year that we started NCTC. We were um, mostly college students. We wanted to serve the community, but we really didn't know how. And so the Martin Luther King Rec Center graciously allowed us to jump in with them on some activities they already had going in the community. And so we did things like help with a haunted house, Christmas with Santa and the Grinch, pancakes with the Easter Bunny, a Thanksgiving meal for seniors. And then as a church, once a month, we would go door to door in that neighborhood. And we just had kind of a list of things that we would ask people if they needed help with. And sometimes nobody needed anything, and other times we had quite a few things that we were able to help with. Um, we helped a family uh, that needed to move quickly and didn't have the help to do it. We helped them pack up and move. We had people that had trash in their backyard and didn't have a way to haul it off, and so we would haul off trash for them. We did all kinds of things, and we always asked if there was anything we could pray for for them, and if they didn't have anything, we would ask them if they minded if we prayed for them, and we would do that right then and there. And if they said no, then we would walk away, and we would stop and pray for them when we got down the street. Um, so that was a really sweet time of being able to be involved in the community. We outgrew the Martin Luther King Rec Center and moved to the Greater Denton Arts Council in October of 2017. One of our goals then and one of our goals now is to provide a church home for students while they're in college and a place for them to stay and plug in when they graduate. So students, keep that at the top of your mind the whole time you're here. Is, is this a place I could stay and be involved when I graduate? We later added Don as an elder 
throughout COVID, we met on Zoom, and then we met outside at the Greater Denton Arts Council for quite a while. And we not only survived COVID, but we thrived through COVID. It was hard, but we learned a lot, and we didn't have to close our doors, and that was a God deal. We added Josh to our staff at the beginning of 2021, and during 2021, Brad made the decision to step down at the end of that year to concentrate on the pastoral cohort, although he remains a vital part of DNC leadership. Josh moved into the role of co-pastor, and we brought Garrett Davis, Brad's brother, on staff for a year to help us through that transition. Today, Josh and I lead together along with our elders, Don and Kurt, and a large group of leaders. In May of 2023 this year, we moved from the Greater Denton Arts Council here to the Senior Center because we need a safer, more child-friendly space for our kids. Currently, we have 75-plus non-student adults made up of married couples and singles, Plus, we have babies and toddlers, which didn't come around until the last couple of three years. We have middle school students, and we have college students. And it's been hard, and it's been fun, and it's been heartbreaking, and it's been life-changing, and it's been more than we could ask or imagine. Look what God has done. Look what God continues to do. I mentioned earlier that from the beginning, our family of churches was called to plant churches, and that includes Denton North Church. We want to be a church planting church as well. Will that planting be a church we plant ourselves, or will it be a church that we help someone else plant? I don't know. Where will that be? I don't know. When will that be? I don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know about, but what I do know is no matter what that looks like, no matter when that needs to happen, we need to be ready. And so I have a few questions for you. Who is sold out to the mission Jesus gave us to go and make ma and mature disciples? Who's willing to move to a new city, to change jobs, or to commute from a long way? Who's willing to train in the cohort to become a minister for a new church plant? Who would be willing to have the first child in that new community and be the start of the children's ministry instead of coming into a children's ministry? Who would be willing to stay here when their friends are leaving and going out for a, uh, to plant a church elsewhere? Who would step up their role in leadership when some of our leaders leave to go for a church plant? Who would maintain warm community when that community changes? Who will give more so we have the finances to give a new church that is planted just like ours did for us? Who is planning to give on September 24th special contribution to start our church planting fund? Who from this group has that vision? Please think about that and pray about that. And if you have questions, ask Josh and I. You can contact us at any time. Our phone numbers are on the website. You can get it from anybody else here. Um, and I have a lot more details about our history that I'm happy to share with you if you want to know. And Josh and I have more information we can give you about what it would look like to prepare for a church plant. 
whether you would be the person going or the person staying, if that's something that you feel like God is calling you to do when you've prayed about that. We are so thankful for each one of you that God has brought here. You are truly important to us, whether you've been here from the day we started or you came in two weeks ago, because God is doing something, and you are a part of that, and we're so thankful that he brought you here. We praise God for what he's done in our family of churches and what he's doing at Denton North Church and what he can, will continue to do. And so Kurt's going to come up right now and just pray and praise and thank God for all that he's done and is doing. Well, I, th I think, uh, good morning, my name is Kurt. If I haven't met you, I'm, I apologize. Uh, but I'm one of the shepherds here, and uh, I'm going to pray for our, the things that Leslie's been talking about over the last uh, few minutes. But before we pray, whether you've been here one, today's your first day, and I met somebody, this is their first day here. Or if you've been here for several years, I want you to think about what is God doing with you here, if this is your first day, or maybe... If you've been here a while, be thankful for what God has done in your life up to this point here at DNC. So I'm just going to give you a minute of silent time to think about that and remember, and then I'm going to pray. God, we just thank you and remember, like we've talked about this morning, what you started here nine years ago. Uh, we thank you for your love of DNC, and we thank you for your love of this city, for our colleges, for TWU, NTC, NCTC, North Texas, and the support, Lord, you continue to give us. Lord, I want to thank you, thinking back for the resources just to start our church so many years ago. For, Lord, the members that have traveled or moved here to help. For the focus staff and all the college students that they have led to, to you and that helped in starting our church. We're thankful for the uh, college students that stayed around, Lord, and were able to stay here and help with casting a vision for this city. And there's a lot, of, a lot that did, and we are thankful for that. For the facilities you've provided, Lord, at MLK and GDAC and now the Senior Center. For Brad and Leslie for a time, and now Josh and Leslie. For our families of one, two, three, four, five, six, however many. For the community organizations we've been a part of, Metro Auto, Our Daily Bread, MLK, the things that people are doing at work in their schools and other places, how they're directly and indirectly impacting our community. God, we ask that you continue to open our eyes and ears in our workplaces in our neighborhoods, in our restaurants, in our apartment complexes, out on the street, Lord, wherever we're at, wherever, to help us to where you're working. We lift you up as we start another school year with our cores and our small groups. 
And may we honor you as we continue to grow in you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. What's up? You guys ready for sermon number two? <laughs> we have typically done this where we kind of divvy things up in different ways, and we were like, why don't we try to both talk two weeks in a row, and like, what could go wrong? You know what I mean? Like, um, maybe you guys only remember what Leslie says, so she goes first every time, but not the worst thing, you know? Okay, so I'm Joshua. Leslie talked about our history and stuff, and you kind of saw where I landed in there, so I'll just jump right into talking about our mission and our vision. But I do want to reiterate, I'm just very, very glad that you're here. We are so glad that you're here. I love that we get to talk about our history and our mission and our vision and values in detail. I'm so thankful for what God has done in our community over the past years, and just getting to revisit that is such a joy. I'm excited about what God's doing right now, um, and you are welcome and you're invited into what we're striving for as a community and what God's doing here. So cards on the table. My prayer is that as we have these talks this week and next week, that you listen, you really think about what you're hearing, and that God starts turning some gears in your heart and your mind, and that God directs you on a journey to not just be informed about what this group of people are doing as sort of a separate thing from you, but that you begin to take ownership of this with us, um, that you see what's happening here as yours too, that you get captivated by God, by his vision for the world, and motivated to serve him and love his people with us. You're wanted and you're invited to get in on this with us. So I'm going to say our mission and our vision again really quick. And I sent these to Sarah this morning, but I, I might not have, uh, she might not have had a chance to download them because I didn't tell her I was going to do that. So um, our vision is to be a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed. And our mission is to make immature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. I'll say these a couple of times during the, the talk. But what does mission mean, really, like when we actually, when it, when it really counts? What does vision mean? Why do we have these things? Just because other churches have them, and they're cool buzzwords, and businesses have them too. I think, I think the most simple way I can put it is really just vision is like the destination, the big picture. The mission is how we get there, or what it looks like to pursue that vision and strive toward it. We're talking about what we're doing here and why we're doing it. It doesn't really get any simpler or more important than that. We've got to know what we're doing and why. So obviously people can have a lot of definitions, different definitions of like mission and vision. And in the past, I have enjoyed the opportunity to make fun of Starbucks for their mission. Some of you guys might remember this. I'm getting a lot of blank stares though. Uh, I'm, I'm going to cut them a little bit of slack this year. So y'all can go back and listen to last year's sermon if you want to hear the, the Starbucks jokes. I just kind of have this feeling like it's just too easy to make fun of them. Like, you don't need to be a really good joke writer when, like, every drink kind of just tastes like asphalt and sugar. It's just, like, not, you don't have to be creative. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of like, and I just kind of feel bad for all the PR stuff they've had the past couple years that I know I caused. So I just kind of feel like I should give them a break for once. So I have a new brand for you, a new brand that I want to make fun of, though. I'm going to say their vision statement, and I want a couple people just to shout out some guesses who they think this is, what brand they think this belongs to. Here's the statement. A good and just world where people are not just fed, but fulfilled. Bon Great guesses. <laughs> Very good guesses. I wish that was the answer. Any other ideas? The good Arby's? Yeah, nice. We have the meats, right. Um, so... Y'all are on the right track because it is a huge mismatch, like, like you guys are saying. Like, McDonald's. It's not that. I couldn't pick on McDonald's because my wife uh, has, is from McDonald's royalty, so to speak. So I can't pick on that. You can ask, you can ask that story later. 
here's who that belongs to. It belongs to the Kellogg's Corporation. Sugary cereals came about because we had a surplus of grain back in one of the wars we had, and now they're here for a good and just world where people can not just be fed but fulfilled. You know what I'm saying? And I really think it's so funny how far these corporations reach with this stuff, especially because I'm like, I think we would be fine if they were like, you know what, guys, here at Kellogg's, we're just living life with cinnamon sugar swirls and every bite. And we'd be like, that sounds good to us. Like, you guys don't have to reach further than that. But they want to reach really far. So this, re- this bit that I do, just trying to make fun of these corporations a little bit, is just a reminder that when we're talking about mission and vision, we're talking about something super different. Not a business model. Not a shareholder meeting. Not an advertisement. We're talking about what God's doing, how we can join him in what he's doing, and we're talking about our lives, our purpose, how we should strive to live each day. Let me say that again. We're talking about our purpose. As humans, we long for a purpose. We deeply desire meaning. It is like innate. It's built in. It's as human as it gets. When we lack meaning or purpose in our lives, it's a uh, struggle. We feel lost. Have you ever felt that way? A lapse in purpose or meaning in your life? It is awful. We're not made to live that way. And that's why it's such good news to talk about mission and vision because we're talking about purpose, God's purpose for us as human beings. That's what he wants to offer us, purpose and meaning. That's what he intends for us. Um, Paul puts it this way uh, in Acts, just for in God we live and move and we have our being. That is how innate it is, how built in. We find our meaning and purpose in God. And the Augustine quote that we've been kind of referencing recently in a few different sermons, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. We search many places. We do not find our meaning elsewhere, and God has made us for that. So our vision, I'm going to start talking about our vision first, just to remind you, a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed. And in a fairly general sense, I think there's kind of two things that are important about a vision. To aim high and to aim long-term, think long-term. Aim high, think long-term. That puts it in terms that works in business and church and stuff like that as well. Make it important. Make it big. Bigger than you or me, bigger than all of us, and reach for something that lasts, that takes longer than a week or a year or a decade to accomplish. You wouldn't want your vision to be something like, talk to someone about something once, and then you accidentally complete it tomorrow. And you're like, oh man, what do we do now? You need to think, think beyond that. So Leslie and I and many of the focus staff read a book last year about just like kind of communicating in ministry, and the author walked through this sort of hypothetical conversation about the goal of preaching or just sharing a message with an audience. And I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, so they're talking back and forth. It's like one pastor and another pastor talking. The pastor who's kind of teaching the other pastor is asking him, like, what do you think the meaning, the purpose of preaching is? What do you think, why do we do this? And he, he rattles off quickly, like, oh, to teach the Bible to people. That's why we preach, to teach the Bible to people. And he starts asking some questions, like, well, wait a minute. So that sounds like the goal is to teach the Bible, and the Bible part's kind of the main thing. Is the Bible part the main thing, or is the people maybe more important. Is the people the thing we're really focused on, and the Bible is an important thing we're delivering to them. And he's like, oh, good point, good point. So maybe the purpose of preaching is to teach people the Bible. And he's like, thinks he's got it. He switched it around. And he's like, okay, great. But that sounds like your goal is just to teach something. And you could do that, and maybe it doesn't change anything. Maybe it doesn't do much. And so they end up talking further and further, and he finally helps them realize that the goal of something like preaching or communicating a message to an audience would be to change people's lives. 
Why else would we do it? What's the point of wasting some time unless we hope for something big like changing people's lives? Change people's lives by sharing God's good news with them. And so, and I love that too because it reminded me immediately of our vision that we've had forever and that we stole from the Garland Church and stuff, that lives will be changed. Hearts turn to God and lives change. And that's a goal really worth striving for. Instead of just, we hope to teach people some stuff. And it's like, well, what's this stuff do? It changes lives and we believe that deeply. To be a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed. So, when we look at the Bible, we see a theme introduced right in the beginning, early on. And it's woven in across all of scripture. And this theme is basically just, there's God's way or there's our way. There's God's way or there's human's way. God creates the universe in the beginning, everything in it, plants, animals, humans. And God says it's good. He sets humans apart, made in his image, given responsibility. We're God's children. And then humans quickly choose to follow their own desires and their ways instead of God's. And it does not go well for them. If you read the Bible, you see this. It happens over and over. It's not just part of what makes Scripture like an amazing kind of work of art that is very interesting to read. It's also a bluntly accurate picture of human selfishness. We repeat the same mistakes over and over. And a beautiful picture of God's goodness and his patience with humanity. God saves the Israelites out of slavery. A couple books later, calls them to follow him, makes promises to them. They immediately rebel, want to do their own thing, worship their own gods. (laughs) They grow larger as a nation. And instead of God being the king, they want a human king. That sounds great. And other than a few good eggs in that dynasty, it does not go well for them. Ultimately, it leads them very far away from God, further than before. They get conquered by other nations, taken from their land. When they finally return, they're sort of back to square one. The Old Testament ends with a big to-be-continued, a lot of things hanging in the balance. That's a summary of, that's sort of the cliff notes of the Old Testament. God does not give up. We know what happens. He sends Jesus, his son, fully God, fully human, creating a new way to choose forgiveness to make God king of our lives and choose his way. He keeps offering that choice. This theme throughout scripture, this choice is still the one before every one of us today. This dehuman choice. Are we going to go our own way or are we going to go God's way? And this is where we get our vision from, from God himself. So regardless of our strategies and programs and styles and opinions, what makes our church have the flavor we have, we want to be a place where hearts are turned to God, and lives are changed. We want to be in line with God's own goal for creation. The hearts will be turned to him. We want to be a place where people choose God's way and not their own. And we firmly believe and know from personal experience that this changes our lives. It changes everything at the foundational level to change that part deep in us to want to go God's way instead of our own. God's way is best. God is best. In God we find true life, eternal life, and we are made new. We're healed, restored, loved deeply by our Creator and our Father. In God, we belong, we find the purpose that we are created for. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Shayla, in the front row, and a couple people in the back. Um, we find our purpose in him. That's what we are created for, and it is such, such good news. And we know that's, that to be the case. We've experienced this life change firsthand here. So uh, this is talked about, like I said, it's woven throughout Scripture, but I love the way that the Psalms 1 talks about these two ways, these two choices. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bear its fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff in the wind that blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, or sinners in the assembly of the righteous. 
For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Those are the two ways that we are presented with, and we have these choices. And God wants us to choose his way, but he gives us the, the option. You know, he gives us the choice. Um, and so to be a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed is the most fundamental thing we can think of. And if we were doing a bunch of other things and it was somehow finding its way to never contribute to that idea, we would be uh, pretty sorry. What are we wasting our time doing? We want to be a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed. Um, so now I'll talk to you about our, our mission. A couple of the verses, but I'm going to keep, keep things moving a little bit because I elaborated more than I wanted to. Um, mission is to make and mature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. What's a mission? We talked about these, the way these interact with each other. Mission is how we get to the vision, what it looks like to pursue it and to strive toward it. This is so important because what good is a big, awesome, godly vision if we have no plan how to even attempt to reach it? If we have no idea. We set up something as awesome as like, yes, we see this in scripture. We love this. We want to be a place where hearts turn to God. Lives are changed. But we have no idea how to get there, so we'll just put it on the website and hope for the best, you know? A shared mission is what makes the difference between being a people who are just sort of like a bunch of individuals doing our own thing in the same general area with the same logo on our shirts to being, it changes from, from being that to being a church, a community, a team, a family, one that together strives toward the vision. What's it look like to live life God's way? To try to turn hearts toward him. If only there was an example, preferably a human being, if we're being picky, someone who lived life God's way their entire life. Who's that sound like? Who? Who did it? There we go. Everyone's too scared. They're like, is it that easy? Is that the answer? That seems to look, is it tricky? Nope, that's it. That's the answer. I'm not trying to trick you. Jesus, he's where we find our mission. He's who we strive to live like each day, live our lives like him each day. It's so perfect. God sets up this picture for what he wants creation to be like, what he's trying to do in the world. He sends us his son, fully God, fully man, to live a life, a human life. We get to see what it looks like to live and pursue God's way, um, and we get to follow that example. God gives us so, so much. This might be obvious, but just to be clear, if we were looking for, um, if we are not looking to Jesus for our mission, we'd be in big trouble. I don't just mean that as a group. I mean that as individuals, too. If you're looking for a mission or purpose somewhere, and that is not in Jesus, you're in trouble because your mission is not uh, it's being found in something finite. It's being found in something man-made, something that's a dead end, something that can't give you life, something that cannot give you truth. And Jesus says that he is that way. He is the way to truth. He's the way to life. No one can get to God the Father except through him. He is the way. So the mission for our church is both modeled on Jesus' life, an example, and intentionally close to some exact orders and words that he himself has given. You probably recognize this as related to the Great Commission. So our our mission is to make immature disciples who love, serve, share Jesus. And we, get, we borrow a lot of that from the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and remember I'm with you always to the end of the age. And I think what's great about this it really does cover that making disciples and maturing really well. Make disciples and then teach them how to observe everything Jesus has commanded. Teach them how to become like Jesus. Everything Jesus taught and modeled in his life. 
over the last year or more, we've kind of borrowed the word apprentice to help with some of that disciple language alongside the word disciple because that, that word kind of helps uh, broaden our understanding a bit and make it more tactile. It's like learning a trade that takes time, studying under a skilled teacher and craftsman, following his way of life, becoming more like him each day. That's what it looks like to be an apprentice or disciple of Jesus. So that second half of our mission, love, serve, and share Jesus. That order is really important, love, serve, share. Let's start with love. Let's talk about that first. In Matthew 22, this, this occurs. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Always goes well for the Pharisees when they do this. Every time. Teacher, which command of the law is the greatest? He said to him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. Love is first, love is greatest, and then we follow. And this is where people can get off course super quickly because, you know, do you love Jesus? Like if you ask yourself this question, do you love Jesus? Think about it. I'm not trying to judge at all. I'm just, I'm just saying let's start there and, and don't just give yourself a Sunday school answer about it. Really think about it. Do you love Jesus and, and how do you know? If your answer is just like, I don't know, or I don't think so, or just straight up no, and you feel pretty confident about it, that's where you start, really. That is where you start, and I think a lot of other things would be kind of foolish to, to go continue after that uh, without first sorting out loving Jesus. It really is fine. Don't feel ashamed because that's, that's where you're at, and that's great news, and now you know where you're at. Figure out loving Jesus. And why should we love Jesus? Many of us would have really personal reasons from our stories that we would give you that are not short. But one scripture is that in First John it says, we love Jesus because he first loved us. Jesus loves you. He loved you first. Not because of anything you've done or haven't done or will or won't do. He loves you first. He died for your sins first. Went out of his way to pay your debts, not out of obligation, but love before you were even born. Unless you're really old, in which case maybe you were around before he was here. Before you were even born, before you could even ask him to do it, he died for your sins. He knew you and loved you. And there's a lot more that can be said about that, like I said. We can talk about why we should love Jesus, and that's a lot of uh, personal stories and our journeys with him. Me, Leslie, and many of our leaders would love to share more about that with you if you'd like to talk more about that. Um, but if you're not quite ready to do that and you're sort of in this research phase, I would recommend just reading about Jesus in the, in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I would start with John if you're like super, super intro, but do whatever you want. Um, and you can, you can start there. We'd love to talk to you about it too and read it with you. Next in our mission statement after, after love is serve. Once we love Jesus, we, we know, and those of us who are there, we know we want him to be Lord and King of our lives. We want to serve him. We want to be his apprentices. We know his way is better. We want to be like him. This is where many of the commands and teachings that Jesus gave and the behaviors that he modeled come into play. Um, this isn't a task we check off or a goal we achieve. It's a role that we take on the rest of our limited time we get to grow in following Jesus daily to be with him, become like him, and do what he did. In Luke, Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's a big, giant goal. Um, but if we try to do this just once, just check off the box of serve Jesus once, it'll overwhelm us. It's not possible. It's about serving Jesus daily, deciding each day to deny ourselves, submit to Jesus, and serve him. He changes us slowly over time that way. In Psalm 119, just part of it, I'm not going to read the whole thing, it says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him. 
with all their hearts. They don't compromise with evil. They walk only in his paths. If you're serving Jesus, if you're committing to follow him, his teachings, his example, then you know that we are told, and you also want to, share him with other people. Love, serve, share. That third part of the mission statement there. We've already referenced the moments ago in the, the Great Commission, so we, we know that that's, that's very clear in that spot too. As well as other writers of the New Testament, this idea has its origins in the mission of Israel, even in the Old Testament as well, to be blessed, to be a blessing to other nations. Um, in Matthew, it says it like this, you're the light of the world. You're a city situated on a hill and you cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and it gives light for all who are in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Make immature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. That's our mission. And do you want to know if you're part of that, if you're doing it? Are you making immature disciples? Are you, do you love Jesus? Do you want to serve him? Do you share Jesus with others? Find your, where you are in that. And, and now you know where you are. And now you can continue to make immature disciples who love, serve, share Jesus. And I think what's really important about this is understanding the urgency. Time is limited. There's still people who don't know, don't follow Jesus. And Ephesians says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. There is limited time. We don't have a lot of time. It's important to really realize this urgency, something that we have that other, that other people don't have. We need to share it with them. And I think the biggest downside with missions is because of their intentionally broad, like encompassing nature, they can feel really distant from our daily life. They can be forgettable. That one guy said it 10 times that one sermon, and I don't, haven't thought about it since, you know? Uh, so understanding this mission is what was really missing, I think, from my life for the first 18 years. I knew about Jesus. I went to church growing up. But honestly, I did not love him. I didn't have my purpose in him. Hadn't gotten that far. I didn't really know I needed him. Didn't really think that way. I didn't think about the many of the people who needed him. All those things were, were gone, were absent from my life. And my intent in coming to college was not to continue going to a church. It seemed like a tradition kind of thing my, my family had done growing up or finding a group or anything. And if I didn't have a mission in mind, you know, sort of like, why would I? What would be the, the point? Um, so let it not be that way with us. That's kind of how it can be. We just forget that it's important. Forget that there's something important to do with our days here. There's an important purpose God has given us. Find your way to care about this. Internalize it. Remember it. Carry it with you daily. Find your way to make this your mission. Um, and I've said multiple times, you know, figuring out where you are in this is really important too. Don't feel like you have to have, be like 100% sold out tomorrow. But, but realize that having this kind of purpose, finding it in Jesus, finding it in God, is what makes our lives um, changed, healed, restored, renewed, gives us meaning and purpose. That's what God wants for you. Your life has purpose. Each day matters. God made you. God loves you. He wants to change your life. He wants to invite you into what he's doing. That's, that's the kind of God that we have, that we serve, that we love. He wants us part of what he's doing. Yeah. It's, it's, like, ugh, it's just like crazy to me sometimes. Um, and I really am, I mourn those early years of my life that I just um, didn't get it, didn't think about it, didn't spend an extra moment. Um, but I'm really glad that God kept trying with me. God was patient with me. He sent people to find me, to share his good news with me again. 
and, um, and that they listened. So um, I'm going to pray real quick. Oh, Lord, just thank you for um, being a God who loves us, who's patient with us, who uh, wants to offer your way to us over and over and over. Um, thank you for being such a good God to us and for wanting us involved in what you're doing. You want to, us to be with you. You want to spend time with your children, these, these people you've made, you created in your image. You want us to be part of what you're doing. You want us to help reach others who don't know you. Um, Lord, I just pray that each one of us, wherever we are in our understanding, in our desire, um, whatever things may be in our history, in our past, in our stories that are hard, um, that, um, that you just know each one of us. You know and you care about what's happened in our lives, Lord. I just pray you'd help each one of us to take that next step with you, um, whatever that looks like, and take our step closer and closer into your purpose for our lives. You're so, so good to us. We love you so much. Now I pray, amen. You, if you make the plan B, both of us preach, then uh, we never think about who's going to do that. We normally have a standing rule of like, if I'm preaching, Leslie's going to do that, and if, if uh, she's preaching, I'm going to do the announcements. Let me just find them real quick. Totally cool. Totally normal. Um, our small groups start this week. Yeah. So if you are a student, these are open to you, but we really want you to be in a core and focus. So if you can't do that or you just want to be in two small groups, great. You can sign up for our small groups. If somehow you missed this, please sign up. These are starting their first meeting is this week. We'll get you connected to one. And if somehow you have not heard, you, you're like almost certain you signed up, if you haven't heard from a small group leader, please talk to me or Leslie. We'll help make sure that your info didn't get lost somewhere in translation or whatever. Okay? So uh, these are super fun. We love our small groups. Um, the next thing is that um, on the 24th, which Leslie talked about today, we're going to be doing our special contribution to start our church planting fund. Keep thinking about and praying about what God wants you to do for that and what things you might be able to do in the next few weeks to you know, spare some coffee money. Don't go get the asphalt sugar drink at Starbucks and save the money to the side to give to our church planting fund. Um, and the next thing is our sound team still needs some help. Mason right here. Anthony, Landon, Heather, who else am I missing? Natalie. We've got some great folks that would love for you to join them helping with sound, so we'd love for you to, to help with that. We'll teach you how to do it. You don't need to already know how to do it. And there's some of the kindest people ever, so why not? Why not do it? You know, serve our church that way. So please do that. And, um, yeah, text us if you have more questions or whatever. And um, one thing I wanted to fill in on, too, is that we've mentioned a couple times, but I feel like we haven't announced this in a while, is that our, like, Mighty Networks, you've heard us talk about this. It's just our little, like, internal church bulletin board kind of thing. But what's cool about it is all the other families of churches are on there, too. And so you can go on there. You can just interact on the Dent North page. That's totally fine. But if you want to go see what the other churches are up to as well, you can hop in to their groups, see what kind of crazy stuff they're getting up to. But you can do that. If you go to our website, dentnorthchurch.com, um, there's a, in the drop-down, our social network, and you can join that. Um, you can also just go to dfwmetro.com. Um, mightynetworks.com or something like that. If you want to get on that, we'd love for you to be on there because it's a great way for our church to talk to our church, you know? Like, there's things that we do like this for announcements for the limited amount of time, but people can post things. There'll be people who will be like, hey, I'm working from Avoca today if anyone else wants to, like, come work. Clarissa did that last week and stuff like that. So please join that. We'd love for you to be involved and know what's happening and share what you're up to with the rest of our church. And that's also where we can share things like 
uh, Leslie said earlier, if Eugene could share about your community sharing, uh, your community outreach experience from this past week, you can do that there too. It's a way to encourage our community. Um, lastly is giving. You can give at DentonNorthChurch.com slash donate or on Tithely, or on, sorry, on, um, what's it called? Venmo. Venmo at Denton North Church. And that gives to go not just to meet the needs of our church right now, but for things we want to do in the future, to pouring back into you guys, meeting needs in our community, everything else. Anything I missed? Anything happening that I've forgotten about? And all the prep work that I was doing with the announcements, did I miss anything? <laughs> That's great. There we go. Look at that. Sarah. All right. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, so this is one that was a little bit more planned out in advance and we knew about, and then the September 3rd one with them doing the renovations here was a little bit less convenient. But we've been planning about how to use this Sunday in October because they'll be having the Arts and Jazz Fest. This whole area is going to be taken over, and there's going to be a lot of cool things happening here, and we will not be able to meet here. So what we're going to be doing that evening um, is having a worship and prayer night together. And so we'll send more details. We're still ironing out the location, but just put on your calendar that evening, mark that Sunday evening off so that all of us can get together, worship together, pray together. It's going to be really fun. So please, please, please put that on your calendar. And also, you will be probably pretty thrown off if you forget and you come here and you realize that it's the Arts and Jazz Fest <laughs> and park is going to be crazy and all that kind of stuff. And so we just want to let you know so that if you do come here, you're coming here on purpose for Arts and Jazz Fest and not suddenly thrown off by um, the fact that none of us are here, or if we are, we're in the midst of a large crowd. So anyway, thanks for reminding me about that. I think that's all. Yeah. Yeah, it's in November. We got a couple things. We don't want to throw you off too much. But yeah, this one for now, just remember October 8th for now. And then we'll throw another crazy Sunday at you in November. So there he is. Aw. Okay, why not? It's already up. <laughs> Put this on your calendars as well. This is for uh, this is going to be cool because our whole family of churches is going to meet together um, and get to hear from Ian Proven, a guy who is really um, he teaches Old Testament and ha many of us have uh, taken his class in one way or another, and he um, is going to get to share with us that morning. He's a teacher or ha he had been a, a professor up at Regent College in Vancouver. And now he's doing uh, some different stuff, and he's going to get to share some good news with us. And he's kind of a celebrity around here, so he is Scottish. Yeah. Let's get that ironed out right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you didn't hear that, Grant dressed up as Ian Proven. That's how we're really cool around here. Okay. That's all the announcements I have. Thank you guys so much. Oh. Oh, there'll be childcare for the improving thing. Yes, great, excellent. Okay, sorry, no more announcements. Sorry, guys, sorry. All right. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.